Take your Bibles and turn with me tonight to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. I was, I was watching Finley back there. She was looking at Waylon. Waylon's going to have to be able to run pretty fast, I think. I was watching Finley as the little kids was walking in here. Man, she was spying them. She don't care about the big kids. She's just watching the little ones and everything. They watch little kids. They, they watch little kids. Amen. They want somebody their size. Genesis chapter 3. If you would please stand for the reading of God's word if you're able to. Genesis chapter 3. Doug's already talked about all the, the guns and fishing tackle and stuff like that he's going to get for whaling. Yeah. Grandkids are great. Amen. <clears throat> Kids are okay, but grandkids are great. <laughs> Genesis chapter 3, beginning reading verse 1, says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it. Neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. The serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, that then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? He said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? The woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field, upon the belly thou shalt go. And dust shalt thou eat in all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall, be thy, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth ch children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam, he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, Hast eaten of the tree of, the, of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. And Adam called his, wi his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam also, and unto to his wives, the Lord did, Lord God, make coats of skins and clothe them. 
And the Lord said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil, and now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out man and, the, uh, and, he, and he placed an e- at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Look again there in verse 23. It says, Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden. Over in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11 says, Thou thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. As we look here in the book of Genesis, in the very beginning as God created man and woman and everything that was created, God had a purpose and He had a plan. He always has, He always will have. And uh, I'd like to preach a message I've titled, The Tragedy of Purpose Lost. The Tragedy of Purpose Lost. And let's pray. Father, we come to you this evening. We ask that you would meet with us, Lord. In no way do I have the ability to do what needs to be done. But Lord, you do. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would give me the words to say. I pray that you deal with every heart. May the Spirit of God move and work in hearts and lives tonight. Lord, help me. Lord, you know the struggle of trying to do that which we want to see done for your honor and glory. So, Lord, I pray that you give me the words and give me the direction. And I'll thank you and I'll praise you for what you want to do tonight. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You be seated. We go from the first book of, of the Bible, which is Genesis, and we see here that a purpose of man, and, and then we see the loss of purpose in, in chapter 3 as God uh, reveals to us what took place. But then you go to the end of the Bible, you go to the book of Revelation, and really what you find out is that even though uh, Adam and Eve, that they lost the purpose that God had set forth from them from the very beginning, they lost that purpose, we find that God never changed the purpose for man or any of His creation. You realize that the purpose that God had for Adam and Eve is the same purpose that He has for you and me today. Uh, Evidently, you don't believe me, I'll say it again. When God created Adam and Eve, He had a purpose, an ultimate purpose in their lives. When He created you and me, He had an ultimate purpose for you and me. Now our lives may be a little bit different and things may be changed and we may do things a little bit differently, but there is ultimately the same purpose that God created you and created me for. And we'll look at that here tonight a little bit. But understand, it's so many times what we don't realize is that um, we bypass the purpose of God and what happens then is purpose lost. And it's a tragedy. It's a real tragedy. Just like it was in the garden when you have the, the tragedy here that... The purpose of how God had created Adam and Eve and, and the because of sin, that purpose that He ultimately had in their lives was lost at that very moment. We find here in Genesis, in the beginning, God created Adam and Eve with a purpose, first of all. And I want to look at that here. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, the Bible says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over, air, over the cattle and over the, all the earth and over every creeping thing and that creepeth upon the earth. 
So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. We see that God came and he stooped down and he drew together the dust of the ground and he created Adam out of the dust of the ground and he breathed uh, a life into the nostrils of Adam there and, and he became a living soul, not just a living being. Not just another animal, but a living soul. You see, uh, I, I hate to tell a lot of people that, the, boy, they get so worked up about it. And, and I've had them call me and ask me, say, well, well when my, my dog died, will he be in heaven? Uh, I can't, and I don't like to be mean, but no, he's not going to be in heaven. That's right. What? <laughs> you mean little Fluffy's not going to be in heaven? No. No. How come, preacher? I loved him. He loved me. He was my best companion. We'd sit and I'd read Bible verses to him. I know he had to have got saved. <laughs> no. Why, preacher? Because he's not a living soul. An animal doesn't have a soul. Now, I'm not talking about, that's no reason to mistreat an animal. But what I'm saying is, is that when God created you and me, He created us different than He did anything else. And He breathed into the nostrils of man and man became a living soul. We're body, soul, and spirit. And God had a plan. He had a purpose. And, and yes, He had a plan. He had a purpose of the, the animal kingdom and, the, and everything that He created. God has a plan for it. Uh, that, you know... But we've got to understand here that when God stooped down and He made informed man, He breathed the breath of life into him, and He stood him up, and He, he looked around, and He said, look around at all of this. He said, it's yours, look at me, I'm yours, and I'll look at you, and when I look in your face, I'll see the reflection of my glory. See, so where do you get that out? God said, I'll create him, let's create man in our own image. God, when He created man, and that, could I say this right now, that that's one of the reasons that Satan hates you and me so much? Because we were created in the very image and likeness of God. And God said, let's create man in our own image. And when He stood him up and He looked into the face of God, He said, and when I look into the face of man, I can see the reflection of my glory. Do you understand what Satan, why Satan is trying to get your image to be disrupted and, and, and uh, sinful and wicked and vile? Why it, it, did you ever stop? And I, boy, it came by and I'm going to grab it. Did you ever wonder why that so many people, uh, uh, they, 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 they pierce their face and they mark it all up and they put all the... The, the stuff in it and they look like a zipper or something. I mean, hey, listen. Why? I've seen them where they split their tongue. I've seen it where they've, they've uh, bored out and stretched out the earlobes so big that you, they, they had Coke cans sitting in their earlobes. Why would man do that? It's, it's, it's not pretty. It's not pretty. 
It doesn't. I mean, when's the, when's the last time you've seen somebody that looked like that? Oh, I wish I was a magnet and just draw you to me. You got so much metal in your face. It's not pretty. Why would you do it? Because Satan is working to destroy the very image that we are of God in heaven. You say, preacher, what you said is cruel and mean. I'm just telling you why it happens. They need Christ like anybody else. And just because somebody's pretty and everything doesn't mean that they're going to heaven. Just because somebody that they've, they've done all that to them doesn't mean that they're not going to heaven. Because there's many of them that's got saved and, and, and everything. But what I'm saying is Satan wants to destroy the image of God. You and I were created for a purpose. We were created in the image of God to magnify Him and to, glor and to glorify His image. God's purpose in creating Adam and Eve is summed up in, in what they could do for, for God that nothing else in the whole creation could do. You think about that for a minute. God created you and me, and there's, there's something that we can do that all of creation was not created to do and cannot do. What's that, preacher? To worship Him, to bring honor and glory to His name, to magnify Him. Adam and Eve, uh, hey, uh, God said, Adam, hey, listen, you, you worship God. And I'll be honest with you, I believe that God anticipated and desired the worship of Adam and Eve. That was purpose. He said, well, preacher, don't, he told them to, 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 to be fruitful and to multiply. Wasn't they supposed to procreate and, and fill the earth? Yeah, but you know what they were supposed to do? They were supposed to do that in the image of God and have a, a home and, and life where their children would know God and walk with God and, and worship God and magnify the Lord. God didn't create us to build towns and dig oil wells and have shipping and cell phones. He didn't make it. That's not why we were created. I'm not saying those things are wrong. I'm just saying that's not why we were created. We weren't created to be entrepreneurs. We weren't created to, to, uh, uh, to, to uh, uh, build wealth. I'm not saying that God didn't give us the ability and the understanding of how to do that. I'm just saying that is not the purpose in which God made us. He created us with a purpose of worship. To worship Him. To know Him. In everything that we do. In all our, our total being. Now understand, there, yes, we, uh, because of the fall, yes, there's still that need and, uh, uh, of drawing to the Lord. And God came down and He walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. Nowhere in the Bible will you find that God came down to walk with any animal or to walk by the garden and say, oh boy, that's some good looking tomatoes over there. Oh boy, look at, look at, look at, look at that fruit on that tree over there. You don't see him, go, he didn't come down to walk and say, man, I, come here horse and let's, 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 let's go walking together. He didn't, he didn't come down in the garden and whistle for that dog to come over there. He came down to walk with Adam and Eve. Can I tell you that God has a purpose for you and me? It has never changed from the garden. And that is for us to walk with Him and to worship Him 
and to know him and to fellowship with him and to glorify his wonderful being. That is our purpose. That is our purpose. Now, with that said, you say, well, what about everything else that we do? What about that? Should we just, should, should we just quit and, and sit at home and, 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 and just sing songs and, and, and pray and all that? No, 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 you're not getting it. Our purpose was this. Now, because of being a living being, garden, uh, uh, Adam had, had duties in the garden to take care of. But God didn't put him in the garden to take care of the garden. That was something he, he needed to do. That was something that it, you might say a job for him. But his purpose was to worship the Lord, to walk with God. Uh, today, uh, uh, we have jobs and we have, and we have uh, uh, different things in our lives that we have to take care of and things that we need to do, much like Adam did when he was in the garden before they had sinned against the Lord. And, and, but yet the whole purpose of Adam and Eve, the purpose was to worship. Adam and Eve's unique purpose in the garden was to bring pleasure, joy, and fellowship to God, which is the foundation of all genuine worship. Then there was a tragedy came to the garden, and purpose was lost. Look at verse 6 there in Genesis 3. It says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband... Uh, with her, and he did eat. Adam and Eve lost their purpose when they took of that fruit. You see, up to that point, Adam and Eve realized their purpose was to walk with God. Adam and Eve realized that He's God. He created us. Adam and Eve worshipped Him and they magnified Him. And then that day when they took of that fruit, something happened. The purpose of their life was lost in their minds because all of a sudden, instead of their life being about the Lord, it was about them. When she saw that the fruit was good to eat, she saw, she desired. When she saw that it was to make one wise, as Satan would say, that to be, become as God, what was going through her mind? It wasn't about, I need to worship the Lord. The Lord told me not to eat of this fruit. I'm going to worship the Lord. I'm not interested in what this guy's got to say over here. I, I, I want to worship the Lord. I want to lift him up. God's been so good to me. Why would I want to do that? God, you are so wonderful. No, she began to think, huh, I could be just like him. It looks good to me. And I desire it. And purpose was lost when she ate of that fruit. Because no longer was, was it about the Lord, but it became about her. And then when Adam took of it, it was no longer about the Lord. It was about him. You see, we find that the purpose was lost. In that they no longer was it all about the Lord, but it was about themselves now. That's where man is today. We have lost our purpose of existence. We have taken up the fig leaf religion, you might say. We, we've made life about us and, and fit God in somewhere along the way where it's convenient. And what we're needing, we're needing to get back to the purpose that God created us for. 
Even in Christians' lives, many have lost the power of God in their lives and they've lost the presence and the outward, outwardly in their lives and they've lost that fellowship and that walk with God. What happened to Adam and Eve when they lost that purpose in their life because of, of thinking about themselves and caring about themselves? Uh, they, they lost uh, that fellowship with God. There was a wall that came between them and God. They lost that time and that walk with God and the fellowship with God. What do we find today? We're so busy with everything else that we find very little time for that fellowship and that walk with God. And we're missing the purpose that He has. But we find that purpose to be regained begins by going back to the original purpose. If we're going to get that purpose back in our lives, like I said a while ago, it has never changed. But if we're going to regain that in our lives, we've got to, we've got to understand some things. In Revelation 4.11 again there it says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive honor, or to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. And so what we find, the way to, that so many live, including Christians today, you would think that their understanding of God's creation is this. You would think that, think, well, God created me. He created you. And now he's sitting there thinking... Okay, I created Ronnie, I created Wyatt, I created Levi, I created Hunter, I've created Rachel, Emma. Now what am I going to do with them? I need to come up with a plan for their life, a purpose, a reason. Because after all that, preacher's going to get up down there and say, God always has a purpose, He always has a plan for your life. So I've got to come up with a plan and a purpose. Can I tell you something? That's not the way it was. Before the foundations of the world, God had a purpose for every person that would ever be born. And that purpose is the same for every single person. And that, pur that purpose is to worship Him, to fellowship with Him, to enjoy Him, to walk with Him, to under, you say, well, how, what about everything else? What about ministry? We'll get there in a minute. Do you realize that one of these days we're going to have what is called the rapture of the church and God is going to catch you and me out of here if you're saved? Amen. We're going to be gone out of here in a, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Uh, the Bible says that uh, we're going to get a new body. Mine's going to have hair. We're going to be in heaven with the Lord. And, and, and the Bible says, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Never to leave there. What do you think we're going to do in heaven? The same thing that we're supposed to be doing right here. Because when he created you and me, that purpose is to never, ever, ever change. You say, well, preacher, I just thought when we got to heaven, you know, then all of a sudden we're going to become super spiritual. Man, I, I'm going to get up and boy, I'm going to be praising God and worshiping. Do you realize that that purpose was before the foundations of the world? And that purpose was for you and me even today. Even today. So we find that we've got to regain that. We've got to regain that purpose in our lives now 
that we have now. You see, so many are struggling with purpose in their lives. They're asking, why am I here? And what purpose is there to life? And especially when all will die at some point in time. What's the purpose of it? Many believe purpose is about self. About self-indulgence. About self-satisfaction. About self-exaltation. Who and what they can accomplish for themselves or their families. Maybe they're, they're, they are, are here for the, the nation and at this time they may feel like. Maybe they're here for the good of the planet. I don't know. That's what they think. Save the frog. I don't know. The spotted owl. There are many noble reasons that we may conclude or think that we're here for. But the purpose of man is to please the Lord and to worship Him. That is the purpose of man. The psalmist, and I could go through verse after verse after verse throughout the Scripture, but let me read you just a little bit here. The Psalms 95, 6, it says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. That would be enough right there. Psalms 96 says, Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord, bless His name. Show forth His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the heathen, His wonders among all people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before Him. Strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. Give unto the Lord, O ye kindreds of people. Uh, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship, oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before Him all the earth. Say among the heathen that the Lord reigneth. The world also shall be established that it shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the seas roar and the fullness thereof. We see here in just these two psalms the echo of the voice of worship telling us why we were born, why we're here, our purpose, that we might worship the Lord and enjoy Him forever. Here's a, here's a little bit of the problem that we sometimes we miss uh, when we talk about worship. We think solely only, and I'll deal with this a little bit later, but I want to throw this in here so that your mind can be working on it a little bit. Many times the only time we think about worship is that when maybe we're singing some type of song of worship unto Him. Or that maybe when we've bowed at, at some point and, we're, and we're, we're, we're glorifying the Lord and magnifying Him and, and, and bragging on Him and, and, and thanking Him and we think of that only as worship. But can I tell you something? Just as even the, the psalmist wrote there talked about how that they, that they would show to the heathen and show others uh, their God, that was part of worship. That is part of worship. Your life on a day-to-day -day basis should be worship. Amen. You say, well, what do you mean, preacher, that when I go to work, I'll be going, oh, Lord, thank you so much. Oh, God, you're so good. And I walk around all day like, No. When they look at your life and when they hear your voice and when they see how you act and they see your life, it should be an example. And my friend, when we magnify the Lord by living for Him, it's worship because it glorifies Him and it lifts Him up. The psalmist there again, he said, uh,
He said, declare His glory among the heathen, His wonders among all the people. And so it's more than just the singing, it's more than just the lifting up of hands, it's more than that many times what we think of as worship. It's our lives. We see here in just these two psalms the echo of that. But I'm not talking about a form of worship that so many are accustomed to in the world today. I am talking. I'm speaking about that humbling of the heart that so many times sends us to our knees as we realize who we are and we begin to worship Him. I'm not talking about what the world calls worship, all the emotions and hypes, and I understand the emotions get attached to it. And boy, there's times, and, but you can't help but shed a tear. There's times that you can't but help glorify God and raise a hand or, or praise the Lord. Or, or, I mean, it does get a hold of the emotions. But when you have to whip up those emotions with a 7-Eleven song, you say, what's a 7-Eleven song? That's seven words sang 11 times. When you have to do that, you're just like, and, and, and I look around, there's enough gray heads in here that you know what I'm talking about, about priming the pump. If you've got to prime the pump, there's a problem. Because my friend, I want you to understand, in true worship, you don't have to prime the pump. Because the Spirit of God moves and it begins to flow afresh. It's a river of life flowing from you. And God uses it to speak to hearts, your heart and to others. And it's humbling to know and to walk into the presence of God. And oh, how it should stir our hearts when we think about, about why we're here. And we're here to, yes, I understand. I'm here to preach the Word of God. But you know what? One of the reasons, that I, the, the main reason I'm here is to, to worship the Lord. You say, well, well, you're a preacher, isn't it? No, I'm the, my main purpose, the reason that God put me here in this world is to worship Him. Well, preacher, isn't it so that you would, would preach the salvation and souls get saved and lives be changed? It is, but my friend, in doing that and doing it from the heart and doing it with the, the power of God and the Spirit of God, that in itself becomes worship unto the Lord because it magnifies God. Can I tell you something? You can dig a ditch and worship the Lord. How you do that, preacher? You're out there digging with somebody. Man, you got that song of praise in your heart. And you're talking about the Lord. Man, the Lord's been good to me. You're digging a ditch and you're talking about God being good to you. Oh, I'll tell you what. God give me the strength to dig this ditch. Praise the Lord. You're sweating like crazy. It's 105 out here and they're in a dry stitch on you and you're praising God. God's been good to me all the time. I used to get, I, I loved it. Those guys that have trouble at, at Miller Trailers on something, I'd get in there and I said, let me get a hold of that. And I'd work on it and, and I said, Lord, help me with this. And they said, what'd you say? I said, Lord, help me with this. And I'd get it and I said, thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. I said, what'd you say? I said, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. That's what I thought you said. Can I tell you that every part of our life should become worship unto the Lord. We take worship and we put it in a little bitty box. That's why Adam and Eve, their purpose 
was not just limited to, to uh, 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 what we might think of worship. They didn't, they didn't have a church service. They didn't have piano. They didn't have a guitar. I mean, they, had, they, hadn't, they hadn't skinned one of them cats yet and got his gut out to make a strings yet on anything. Still wasn't under the curse. Now, as soon as the curse was hit, man, they pulled that cat out, got that cat gut, and made the guitar, didn't they? <laughs> you say, you're awful. I told you they didn't have a soul. <clears throat> I'm teasing with you. The thing of it is, is that we're to worship the Lord with everything in our lives, our whole being. We find that I'm speaking of that in John chapter 4 and verse 23 and 24 says, But the hour has come, and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. Wait a minute. Let's back up again. This is the Son of God. He said that we're to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. Do you realize that the Lord is looking for you and me and He even would call us by name, Wyatt, I'm waiting for you to worship me. Levi, I'm waiting for you to worship me in that fellowship. Hunter, I'm waiting for you to, to worship me in that fellowship and to experience me and to know me and to have that walk with me. Every single person, I could say that about myself, God is seeking for you and I to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Most of the worship today is not in spirit and truth. A lot of it may be in spirit and they haven't put the truth with it. And some have got the truth down but they are so bound up that they're afraid to worship. and They're so hard. They're afraid to magnify the Lord. Afraid somebody might say, well, you're a Baptist. You raise your hand. Well, you're this and you're that. My friend, can I tell you that he said, in spirit and in truth, we're to worship him. When the truth gets in your heart like it should, the Spirit of God takes over and moves and works in your life. And you begin to realize how important it is to magnify the Lord, not just in church, but at work, at play, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, that you would magnify the Lord. When you get a hold of that truth, when you get a hold of who the Lord is, it'll humble you. We've got to regain our purpose for the Lord. In the 1600s, there was a, a preacher. This is not his name, but this is what he is known by. If you've done any reading, you will not see his name. You will hear this name. He's called Brother Lawrence. Some of you may have read some of his stuff, and he's referred to quite often. But in the early 1600s, Brother Lawrence, he lived and served the Lord, godly man. On his deathbed, he laid there and and, people, and some people were there with him and they was watching him. And one of them said, But Lawrence, what are you doing? 
He said, I'm doing what I've done for the past 40 years. They said, and what's that? He said, I'm worshiping the Lord. Even in death. He said, death is only secondary. Something I must go through. It's secondary to worship. And when I get to heaven, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to continue to worship the Lord. He said, nothing, absolutely nothing should come between us and our worship of the Lord. You say, well, preacher, how was he worshiping the Lord? Laying there dying? How was he worshiping the Lord? Part of it was because he was sharing with others the importance of worshiping the Lord. Realizing that in a few moments he was going to step across to the other side. And you know what? When he hit the other side, he didn't even have to change gears. He just kept right on worshiping. Just kept on lifting up the Lord. Just kept on going. Kept on magnifying the Lord and, and exalting the Lord in everything that he said and everything that he did. You see, religion was not your purpose and not my purpose. We live in a time when they call it religion. And that's what it is. It's religion. We've got to get back to the purpose. Many practice religion and all of its self-satisfying acts, you name it, uh, uh, unto every denomination. doesn't matter whether it's Baptist, Methodist, uh, Pentecost, Assembly of God, uh, uh, Catholic, you name it. All the denominations, they, uh, all of them are practicing, many are practicing religion. God's not interested in religion. Do you know what the fig leaves were in the garden? They were religion. Their own covering. God had to take the lives of innocent animals to make a covering for Adam and Eve. Yet, you see, the church, uh, uh, and yet we, the church, were to stand with, uh, we're standing, are standing without great power and testimony in the presence of the Lord today. Many today, uh, the churches have become weak, and, and it's sad to say, many of them, the lights are off tonight. Instead of gathering together and, and magnifying the Lord through preaching and through song and, and through testimonies and through fellowship of, uh, of with one another of the goodness of God. It's just another night. Many times we get, get it all down pat, how to do it, boy, we're this, we're that, we're, we dot every I, we cross every T. But he leads it out for us here in, 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 in Revelation chapter. He says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write these things, saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, which is Jesus Christ. He's walking there. He says, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou cannot bear them which are evil, and hast tried them which say they're apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. And has borne and has patience and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Do you know what that is? That sounds like a church that's on, that, that people say, man, that, that church is on fire. Boy, they're going uh, uh, great guns and man, you see the ministry they got. Boy, they're doing this and they're doing that and they're, they're doing all this. They're passing out tracts and they're doing this and they're doing that. And they're, you know, they're just, doing, boy, I'll tell you what, look at what they're doing. Jesus Christ himself said, I see all that. 
But you read the next verse. He says, but I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Preacher, what is that first love? It's connected with our purpose. That worship, that walk, that fellowship with God. You see, you can dot every I, cross every T. I mean, you can quote the verses. You can pray a, a wonderful sounding prayer. You can sing a beautiful hymn. You can be conservative in all that you believe and all your stand and still have lost your purpose. Because you have left your first love. We can gather together and have lost our purpose. We can go through the, the motions and have lost our purpose. And our purpose is to worship the Lord, to exalt Him, to magnify Him, to glorify Him. Not just in a preaching service, not just in a song service, not just in a testimony service, but on Monday when we go down to the workplace, when we go to the store and with our lives we magnify Him. I'm going to jump way ahead of myself. I'm going to quit here, but I want to hit this. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Preacher, why would it be called a reasonable service? But because before he breathed into the nostrils of Adam, he looked at the sun and he said, let us create man in our own image. Why? That they might see us, that they might enjoy us, that they might worship and magnify the God of heaven. And you and I every day No matter where we're at, even if we are alone, we have a purpose to worship God. Adam, Eve, 
I'm sorry. But there's no substitute for the purpose of God. Jesus Christ went to the cross to regain that purpose in your life and my life. That we again might know Him and that we might glorify Him and lift Him up. You may drive nails for a, bit, for, for a living, but your purpose is to worship the Lord. You may flip hamburgers at McDonald's, but your purpose is to magnify the Lord. You may be the CEO of General Motors, but your purpose is to magnify the Lord and worship Him with your life. Elon Musk. I just seen a, read an article on Elon Musk, and Elon Musk was talking, and somehow it came up about the Lord and about Jesus Christ. And he made the statements that he, he believed in God and the goodness of what Jesus Christ did coming into the world, and they asked him about salvation. And he said, I would, I would be open to that. Elon Musk, can I tell you, you're one of the wealthiest men in the world. But your purpose is to worship God. Yeah. Brother Haggett, you may be the preacher of Calvary Baptist Church, but your purpose is to worship the Lord with your life. And when I say that, I'm not talking about just in this auditorium. Our lives should be a worship in everything we do unto the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for loving us. I thank you for the mercies of God and the goodness of God that reaches far beyond anything that we do and say. Lord, there's such a need for us to Realize that you created us with the same purpose that you created Adam and Eve with. Lord, is that we would worship you. That we would enjoy you. That we would fellowship with you. Everything else is secondary and opportunities for us to exhibit you before this world in worship. Have your will and way. May we lift you up. For this I ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me tonight?